0: And of God, and of God, and of God, and of, of God, God. and of, of God, God. and of God. Welcome to Jubilee Street, a Nick Cave podcast. Every week we talk about a different Nick Cave songs, but some weeks Nick Cave drops a surprise album and we talk about that. Uh in case you're a first time listener checking out this show because of the new album, my name is Ian McCurtis. I'm a writer who sometimes makes music. Long story, I won't get into it, but I come from a different dimension. I ended up here about a year ago. Go back through the archives if you want to know more. My co host is Jake Curtis. He's also a musician, writer, makes beats under the name Gabriel Ha, lives in San Diego, has a great dog named Blue. Is that about cover, Jake?
1: Yeah, that covers it. It's a good intro.
0: You know, we've had 40-something episodes to get good at this. So, yeah, we Crazy. talk about Nick Cave songs every week. Uh, we're not music critics. This is like a relief. We try to keep it fun and silly. Jake was a new in it Cave when we started this. This is very like beginner-friendly. We're not like super in that deep. But we do do our research. We got some fun factoids and whatnot out there. If you like this and you want to check out some older episodes, I'd recommend the Bright Horses episode. That's my favorite one we've done so far.
1: Yeah, I think Bright Horses is a great place to start. And also, um, I think our first episode of the show is really good. We're kind of getting our legs there, but... We cover the mercy seat, I believe. Mercy seat, and it, that episode came out during the sort of another peak in the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter protests, and um, you know, it was it was a cool it was a cool time to start the podcast as as far as like how all of the carnage going on in the country was impacting our listening
0: of hey. Nick Cave. So, um, yeah. Where do you want to start with... So let's the first dive right in. We knew Nick K would be dropping an album at any time. Uh, luckily, we were already planning on recording today, so we didn't really have to like move our schedule around at all. Uh, it's honestly like he knows our so, recording schedule or something. <laughs> I mean, he might. If you're listening, Nick, we're on to you. Uh, so <laughs> before we get to like overall general first impressions, the, the way I want to start this, Jake... Uh, I texted you that this album dropped, and we both listened to it around the same time. I want to. I want to know what was the first thing that you were like, "Oh fuck, I gotta talk to Ian about this." Like, I can't wait to bring this up.
1: Well, when I you remember when I got the call on the the um, the Ian phone, which is like my version of the Bat phone, um, I I was. I just started work basically, and I was like oh shit, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to listen to this before we can record, but it's been really slow this week, so I took it took advantage of it, and I put the record on while I was working on you know boring shit like insurance and mortgage loans and stuff like that and if we're talking about first listen impressions um, I think that I was most excited to talk about the song Old Time. I think that's prob- that was my favorite song upon the first two listens. And then I really wanted to talk to you about the song Balcony Man, because I think that's my favorite song on this new album. Um, so that was, that was sort of my first reaction.
0: The first, like, visceral thing where I was like... Like, I, I was like, oh, fuck, I want to text Jake right now about this, but I didn't, was White Elephant. Oh, yeah. The fucking... Like, that first verse when he's like... Uh, I'm going to shoot you in the fucking face. Never, he gets, like... He gets a little political sometimes, but I don't think he's ever gotten directly political like this, so it added so much weight to it. Mm-hmm. But the part where he's, like, a protester, Neil. Puts his knee on the neck of a statue. The statue says, I can't breathe. And the protester kicks him into the sea. It's so badass. Like, Yeah. Well, and so unexpected. I, I like immediately had to Google the lyrics, and I was like, did he really just say what I thought he did? Like, referencing Black Lives Matter like that? Because that's just so out of character for him. You know, I,
1: I, I didn't even try to find the lyrics. I was really just trying to go into this... Um, but I, I felt like this song, and, and you know from us being friends for a long time that I'm more of a, I'll pay attention more to the music and the feeling of the music as opposed to the lyrics always come second mm-hmm. after everything else. And I didn't hear that line about the kneeling on the neck, but that's there's really no way that that line could be interpreted otherwise. The thing that got me thinking that this is a more directly like... Ps- it's more of a direct like social commentary is the line, you know, I'll shoot you in the fucking face kind of thing where I was like, wow, that's like very, that's like the most I think I've seen him take a stand other than when he decided to play in Israel um, for that festival. And it definitely yeah, like it
0: has it, neither of us. Uh, just a heads up. Neither of us have looked at any reviews at all. So we could be totally off base with something but we wanted to go in like as blind as possible to me that like, I'll shoot you in the fucking face was like empathizing with people that are so fed up that they just don't know what to do. You know?
1: Yeah. I, um, I just immediately got visions of cause long time Nick cave listeners know how much Nick likes to embody the souls and vessels of other people and other ideas and other ideologies and it really just made me think of a world where Nick Cave was like a MAGA person and he was like embodying that kind of energy which I'm not saying the song is him doing any sort of empathizing with those people it just the way the lyrics are delivered are very similar to how all these like QAnon like Marjorie Taylor Greene like bullshit people are they sound when you hear them speak like Ted Cruz and all these fucking people like it had this very like I don't give a fuck if I'm wrong or I've said something wrong like I'm right racism is okay like it It really I'm not necess- like I'm saying this is all very much first impressions but I and also the transition in the song to the chorus. Well, uh, it's we so to that, I jarring. Do, but yeah, I, I continue.
0: Took, I took it the other way. I I and you know, who knows? We've only listened to this album like two times each. I took it as like empathizing with Black Lives Matter and any sort of progressive movement of like when you see some of those people looting or some of those people like responding with violence, like kind of like understanding like what is the quote from like Is it Malcolm X who's like, if you try nonviolence and that doesn't work, maybe you have to turn to violence. I took like, I'll shoot you in the fucking face is like, okay, if I ask like a million times and you don't give me what I need, then I'm going to have to take what I need.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, um, like I had, like I said, I hadn't sought out the lyrics, but I see the first line is the white hunter sits on his porch with his elephant gun in his tears. He'll shoot you for free if you come around here. That's the line where I was. I think he was invoking the enemy, like the, the sort of yeah, I think so. nasty like character. And then so you get the first verse, and then you get the second verse, which is the protester kneels on the neck of a statue. The statue says, I can't breathe. The protester says, now you know how it feels, and it kicks it into the sea. And I think it really... So
0: badass. It's like, I
1: think it really kind of awesome. captures like how futile it was to watch the protests, to be at the protests, to have to see the police violence footage. And I don't know if you saw it, but there was a video that went viral of a cop like last week choking out this like 13-year-old kid. Um, yeah. And I mean when you watch that shit all all i all i want to do is put my hands around another cop's neck and like watch as the 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 like color in their eye starts to change as they realize that they're not as powerful as they think and i know that's a really dark thought but i think that's what this song and like what the last year really evoked for a lot of people like it was a literal and, like, figurative, like, pulling of the rug out from everything that all of these... And that's why I think that's what makes the song even more powerful. And the album itself was... its already was mired in all of this, like, you know, speculation. Like, is this going to be Man 3? Is this going to be... Like, Carnage was such a evocative and provocative title. Like, there was really no, nothing to... There was no way to expect what this was going to be about. This song... Was one of the standouts. I had this written down to talk about, so I'm I'm glad you brought it up first. I don't I don't have much more to say. I'm kind of rambling at the, this point, so I'll let you kind of take the reins here.
0: The, well, this is just a good uh, a, a good place to uh, bring up our sponsor for this episode. We want to thank the San Diego Police Department <laughs> for their sponsorship. <laughs> They've always been really great to us and give us money to do this. And uh, any violence Jake may have just uh, wished Upon Police, we don't condone as long as you keep giving us all that money.
1: Give us all the money. Don't give any to the police. Um, or give money to people.
0: But, but anyway, I w- that song was also the one that I like. It's simultaneously the one I was most impressed by and the one that I disliked the most. Simply because that beginning sort of like instrumental loop that carries throughout the first half of the song it has this tone on the synth that i fucking hate at least upon first impression and this like uh digital snare mixed with a tambourine and it sounds so much like what those like 2010s rock band like imagine dragons Mm -hmm. 21 pilots Mm -hmm. it sounds like that and i can't divorce myself from that But it's a fucking great song. And then that second half, like you said, it sounds like me without you, la, la, la. I've never heard a Nick Cave song sound like that.
1: And it's it's telling that the first half of the song is I'm a nice sculpture with an elephant gun, raining gas and salt upon your heads. The president is called in the feds. I've been playing this for a year. I'll I'll shoot you in the fucking face. If you think of coming around here, I'll shoot you just for fun. And then a time is coming, a time is nigh for the kingdom in the sky. And my guess here is that this was more so of a deadline to the center move for a chorus where he kind of made these points about these specific events but then it's really just we're all coming home eventually to the Kingdom in the sky. Um, it was yeah, very anticlimactic. Like,
0: I didn't I didn't take notes on this, but the Kingdom in the Sky thing, I think that shows up in at least like three songs, maybe more. That definitely seems to be like the constant refrain throughout the album.
1: Well, I don't know if you noticed this and either. I, I don't
0: think I've.
1: But there's multiple recurring musical motifs. Like there's a very, like, kind of. I didn't notice that. Um, descending synth note that happens I, in the first song, which is Hand of God. And then I think it comes back either in the beginning of Carnage or White Elephant. Um, mm. But there's a lot of connecting sounds that I've noticed.
0: The kingdom in the sky thing I don't think I've fully—I've had enough time To really digest what that might mean But my first impression was It reminded me of His Dark Materials And The Golden Compass mm-hmm. Where I think upon first read of those books You think it's like About killing God And making the world a better place Like in the book They literally kill The physical God oh, That's a bad for a kid's it more, book yeah, It really is But then when you think about it more, this huge war was fought to kill God. And all these people died in the process. And really, what was it for? Like, the world, God didn't intervene in the world. So whether he's alive or dead, what does it really matter? Mm -hmm. So when you think about the book more, you kind of realize both sides are wrong. Like, whether God exists or not, focus on your life here and now. Who really cares? And that's what I think... That's how the Kingdom in the Sky refrain hit me. Like, so many people are worried about so many things that don't really matter in the present Mm -hmm. when we could focus on what's here right now. But I think the album's also so much about COVID, and maybe that gave a lot of people comfort at the same time, just thinking about far-off futures.
1: Yeah, I mean, how many people just... Even, you know, myself included at times, just like put everything to the side and, you know, got takeout and just didn't deal with reality for a couple weeks here and there last year. Like, I mean.
0: I've been doing it for a year.
1: I got back into comics and graphic novels in a big way, Um, you know, especially like closer to the end of last year. And that's been a big you know that's been keeping me occupied it's given me something to talk about and think about but you know there's still this like looming threat everywhere like um i don't know if you heard about this but there was a plot to bomb the like the uh to bomb congress on joe biden's state of the union address mm-hmm. so
0: inauguration oh oh the upcoming state of the union state
1: of the union, union yeah um and I didn't
0: hear about that. I No, I didn't know that. I mean,
1: I'm and I and I'm just getting to the point like where we've still got these pricks like I mentioned, like Marjorie Taylor Green and Ted Cruz, and we're gonna be dealing with somebody like fucking Matt Gates and um Josh Hawley like for the rest of our lives. You know, they're just gonna be these like fucking racist pricks in power who wanna who who spur Who spur the violence because they're getting paid under the table to do so? Um, But anyway, I digress on that point. Question for
0: you, Jake. Well, yeah. What's the question? If Josh Hawley wanted to come on Jubilee Street, but you weren't allowed to bring up politics, would you say yes to letting him be a guest?
1: No. For publicity. No. I mean, I wouldn't say that.
0: I I, I wouldn't. (laughs) I was just curious.
1: I think that we would no there's no way it would it would never work there'd be no angle to it that would be <laughs> positive for us it would just bring a lot of trolls over um so let's get back to the album though um i think white so, elephant so was a good place it, to start
0: sorry i had to I had to get up for a second that's okay um more generally did did you take it I'm very much dreading like the next year or two how many movies and albums there's going to be about COVID because I just, it doesn't appeal to me at all. And if you would have told me this new Nick Cave song was about the pandemic period, I wouldn't have really been that interested. And I was blown away at how much I enjoyed it, even though it was, did you think it was all pretty much, you know, based around the COVID era.
1: No, I didn't view it in that light. I'm not saying it's not about that. And I think that that's most likely the case that it is connected to that. But I think that this album was more about free experimentation for Warren and Nick and, and, an opportunity for Nick to explore themes that he usually wouldn't explore in his lyrics. Um I will have to listen to the album more, so maybe we can do a second episode on a specific song from this record where we can really kinda hone in on the general themes. The main feeling just a couple
0: real quick, just real quick, just like a couple just to like why I was thinking that. The song "Old Time," mm-hmm. I felt like that was like how you know we'd be like, "Oh man, I miss the old time," like pre COVID, like when we could do this or do that. I feel like "Old Time" had that idea a lot. "White Elephant" was so much about like the protests and stuff to me. Uh, that song "Albuquerque" is like, I feel like the whole song is about wishing you travel, you know, because we can't travel right now. Mm-hmm. And then uh, "Balcony Man," I thought was you know, everybody just has to sit on their porch because we can't like physically be near. So I imagine Nick Cave just all during COVID just staying on his balcony like everyone else, just like watching an empty world.
1: Wow, that's really something. I honestly didn't even view it in that light, but that's all pretty, that's all pretty, pretty much on the head, I think. Nail on the head. So why do you think the album but, started... You know, I think these all work. Go Finish your finish your thought, because it's connected more so to what you just said than what I'm going to ask.
0: Well, I was thinking maybe that's why, and I'll be interested to see if you have a theory, like why it's not a Bad Seeds album. Mm-hmm. Because I think uh, Ghostine was pretty much just Nick and Warren for the most part. I don't think it would have been that weird to have this be a Bad Seeds album. But I thought maybe for them it was so tied to the covid period that like maybe they just don't even want to play these songs live and it just kind of like captures a moment in time and it won't be part of the bad seeds discography i don't know
1: well this there's a picture that was going viral for a while um either before today or today is when i've i've mostly seen it where it's just um nick and warren sitting in front of a Roland synthesizer and Warren has headphones on and he's got his glasses draped around his neck. And then Nick is wearing like a suit and a nice button up and he's got a microphone and a little lyric book in front of him. And he's kind of gazing down and at to like at the synthesizer. And I feel as though this album is very much like, like there were some comments I saw, um, on one of the Nick Cave groups I'm on on Facebook and a lot of them were like they were like not super stoked I I miss the Bad Seeds you know I wish this was more of a Bad Seeds record and I get that but I think that there was no other way they could really work on this without compromising other people's health so you know the two main like I think figureheads for the band at this point um, they were they, they had only had time on their hands. They, they're a big touring band. They couldn't tour. And I think that the sound is had already been leaning towards being very heavily influenced by Nick and Warren experimenting with electronics and going less um, analog as far as like less just straight up rock and roll band. Um, and this just feels like a record made by two really close friends in isolation. And I think that you mentioned that you're really dreading all of the like you know oncoming like the onslaught of like covid pandemic related art well it's like too bad it's already been upon us since it started happening the way albums drop now is different the way music comes out now is different the way that bands put out music now is different like this is a very different record and it was very exciting to hear because Um, we got a we got a fan letter, um, in our email the other day that, uh, had come after our no pussy blues episode. And, um, you know, they mentioned that this podcast is like a whole, like much more than just about Nick cave. And I think that this album is much more than just what Nick cave and Warren Ellis did. I think it's like this influence of everything that was going on in their lives and had come before them, which is why. It's really, it's only eight songs, but it's like every song is very different from the last, and it's like there's really,
0: I did not a band. I wrote down a note. I, I wrote down a note that like I think kind of goes along with that, Some, like a similar thought I had. I felt like Skeleton Tree and Ghostine... uh, like when you listen to them, you almost feel like you're violating Nick's privacy. Mm-hmm. Like it's so intimate. Yeah. You know? This album like you just said this album feels like it was m- written for other people to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I mean it, the the way that the lyrics read and are heard are definitely made for the listeners and I also feel like there was just no way it's much th- more accessible. Yeah, it it is it is. Yeah, that's that yeah. I mean And it has that same energy that an album like Yeezus had back in 2013 where everything seems so arranged and perfect. like Everything seems like it's in place. Everything fit the way it was supposed to fit, but it also feels very chaotic and noisy and like you mentioned that there's like a tone and a lot of weird transitions there's a lot yeah there's a tone and white elephant like a synth tone that or sound that you just can't stand and um it clicks for me but i totally understand why it doesn't work for you and probably won't work for a lot of other people
0: but it just sounds like it just makes me think of imagine dragons oh yeah 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 and it's like a tone they use
1: one th- Kind of unrelated. Do you think that this was all drum machine, like programmed drums, or do you think that one of them had to have played drums on this record, right?
0: I don't. I don't think so, because like, like you said, that chorus and um, "White Elephant" where like it almost sounds like a classic rock song, like "Sergeant Pepper" era Beatles. Yeah, that sounds like real drums to me. It's either a really good drum machine, or I bet they can both fiddle around on a drum kit well enough.
1: Um. So my next point I wanted to ask you was. But, well, you go ahead. What are you going to say?
0: Well, that bring like it was exciting cuz this album is the first one in the wild that has like a lot of other like there's a good amount of violin, there's some guitar, more drums than the past two. It was just exciting to get like I know it's not full band, but it's way closer to full band than Ghosteen and Skeleton Tree are.
1: Yeah, I, I was surprised by that too because there's so many, there's so much varied instrumentation and what I was so
0: yeah, it's not just synth.
1: stoked on was that they really chose to go in the direction I hoped they would after Ghosting, which was they really leaned into these layered vocals and Warren and and Nick's like voices are perfect together. It's like in the early days of Outkast where you could hear Andre 3000 like dip in and out of a verse and you would still think it was big boy. Like they could vary their flows and voices in a way that were so cool. And I feel like here there's times where I'm like, was that Nick? Was that Warren? Was that some backing singer? Like Nick does these great, like he just really leans into just some really like kind of Tom Yorkie, like, you know, ethereal vocals um, in the later half of the record, and I love shit like that.
0: I can't believe that this dude, like, it's sixty years old, was like, "I'm gonna start singing in falsetto. I'm gonna kill." And him. it's great. Even I never did it. Before. I don't.
1: I don't get it. Like, he's just. And the thing is, is that they're both really good at producing records now because they've produced what, like, thirty records at this point, not counting all their scores and film scores and stuff. Yeah, a
0: ton of soundtracks. Yeah,
1: and the mixing aids this album really well because I think if Nick were singing falsetto louder in the mix, it would come off too like harsh, but the way that they have him sit there as just another backing part of the track, there are times where his voice is less important than it's ever been on a Nick cave in the bad seeds or birthday party record ever. Like he's layered in there as part of the music and the, the arrangement less so as Nick cave. And I think that it was a really good choice for them not to throw the Bad Seeds on this because it would have felt dis- like disingenuine or disgenuine. I don't know the word I'm trying to say. Um, it wouldn't have... Disingenuous. Disingenuous. Uh, because this isn't the Bad Seeds. Like, even Ghostine sounded like the Bad Seeds. This one sounds different. It sounds like it, it is, like, could be B-sides from Ghostine, but there's just a little bit of difference in there. It's it's really nice. It's a nice like hot pocket of Nick Cave influences. Like I hear some Boatman's Call, I hear some of the later era like Push the Sky Away lyrically. Um this is a good record. It's really good. It's probably the best the my yeah. favorite release of 2021 already. I there hasn't really been much music that's come out that I've been interested in.
0: For me, uh yeah, the thing I thought the most is Push the Sky Away and we like to refer to the last three albums as the ambient trilogy and i think i mean we'll see how everyone else reacts i kind of think we have to rewrite that yep i feel like now it kind of seems like skeleton tree and ghostine are like sister albums push the sky away was like them ramping up for ambient music and then this album seems like them like stepping out back into back into like a normal rock band but still taking the things they learned from the ambient stuff.
1: Push the Sky Away had to be made for them to continue to make records like this because what came before Push the Sky Away was Grinder Man 2 and Dig Lazarus Dig. There was a huge stylistic change between those records and Push the Sky Away. Oh, yeah. And I see a lot of stuff on the forums about how people really want another Dig Lazarus Dig record, which would be cool. And to be quite honest, I expected this to be a lot noisier. I expected it to be angry and scary and maybe even a little bit more like birthday party stuff. And there was a comment I saw where somebody was like, "Um, this is the heaviest record they've put out since Dig Lazarus, Dig, and Grinder Man." And while on one hand I agree thematically it's heavier, I feel like the music is still very much like skeleton tree and ghost teen it's very soft it's very thoughtful not to
0: say that 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 that, these songs are so the songs are so different like i did think that like when i first started the album hand of god is pretty noisy pretty aggressive but the rest like that's probably the noisiest heaviest song on the album oh yeah
1: well, yeah, no yeah. White Elephant has its elements, but the like right after White Elephant is just a total like like that is dealing with the fallout shit. Like Shattered Ground is just mm. oh, just such a beautiful song.
0: Yeah, that um I'm glad I love that you, I'm glad you brought that up. Like I don't think any of these songs will ever be as popular as Into My Arms or The Ship Song, because they have 20, 25, 30 years of a head start. But at least today on first impressions, Shattered Grounds is like as good of a love song as he's ever written. It's fucking incredible.
1: So I think that Albuquerque, Lavender Fields, Shattered Ground, and Balcony Man all will show up in at least one movie or TV show within the next, like... I'm gonna, I'm gonna say 15 years. Because they're all...
0: I could see every song on this being in... And they make soundtracks. It makes sense. But yeah, this this whole album, like... You can imagine any of these songs in a movie. Without a doubt.
1: I don't really... Oh, why, okay, so two things. Um first one I'll ask is, what do you think about the cover art? What Do you, what do you, do you think there's any meaning to that?
0: Cover art, I, I don't like it.
1: You don't like it? Okay, so it made me think of... It, it
0: reminds me of like...
1: It made me think of um, Stop Making Sense, that cover for The Talking Heads. Mm. And that made me think about how I'm going to make the argument here just for fun. I could be totally off base. I think this record is really inspired by 80s music. Because
0: yeah, I mean it's hard to like go into the world of synthesizers and not be, you know.
1: Well, and it, and what I mean is is that it sounds a little bit like Talking Heads. Um and whether or not that's me just mixing the ideas in my head because the visual made me think of that is mm-hmm. up for debate. Um but the, my first thing that it, that the cover art makes me think of is those charts at a when you go to get your eyes checked out at an optometrist office. It makes me think of those mm-hmm. charts where you have to cover your eye to see how much you can see, and mm-hmm. someone said something about how they they said the outline of it looks like a knife, like the way that the letters are arranged. The white space looks like it's like organizing a knife. I can't see that. I've been trying to, like, see that for a while, but I can't see that. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that? You don't like the cover art? Why not?
0: Uh, So I see – I totally get the talking heads thing you said, and it probably is influenced by that. But it makes me think of, like, the, like, corporate hipster stores, like Urban Mm -hmm. Outfitters or American Apparel. Mm -hmm. This looks very much like they were kind of, like, ad design which I think is also influenced by like 80s mm-hmm. new wave. So I think it all, I think you're right and I think I'm right. It just reminds me of shit I don't like where maybe it reminds you of stuff you do like.
1: And then it makes you want to sound the word out when you look at it. Carn or or carn-a- carnage, carnage, like you.
0: Yeah, I don't know why the AGs in red. I was assuming vertically it's like c a e. I thought that was like Cave and Ellis.
1: Oh. Well that's that's it. I think that's the only way they did that. That's the only the only reason but they I did it.
0: There There's probably some reason that the A.G.'s is in red. I don't know what that means though.
1: Well, A G are the two middle letters of MAGA. MAGA was associated with the color red. That's one take I oh, took on it.
0: I don't I I don't see how that would be what they were going for, but it is in red, which is like...
1: There's... I, I don't think America that that's right at all. That's just the first... I don't think so. That's though. just the first imagery thing that came to my head. It's very funny. Um, I think the most explicit meaning of the title of the record is that so many fucking people died last year, and... When we think of the word carnage, I think as comic book fans, we think of the Spider Man villain, but I think past that, carnage is typically something that's set aside for, um, you know, the genocide of Native Americans could be considered carnage. The world, like the genocide of um, Jewish people in World War II, carnage. Um, The Israeli Palestine War, and how many. Palestinians have been slaughtered by the Israeli administration could be considered carnage. Um, It is carnage. Um, Countless war crimes by the United States. Um, All of the soldiers that died going to fight in Iraq under the Bush administration, carnage. So carnage makes you think of blood, war, loss, death. But we experienced carnage, uh, like aside from all the bombs that I'm sure Trump was dropping around, the Middle East and um, you know, all of the occupied countries that the United States has some interest in. It makes you just really think back about how this invisible thing is swept through the world. And there are people, there are some people trying to find out why there are some people that aren't trying to find anything. And those are the first couple lines from hand of God. And, we spent the whole year just like, okay, well, got to stay inside. Not really sure what's going on. And I think the hand of God is a really great way to start the record because it's like somebody was intervening in reality last year where it was like you can't just go to David Chang's new restaurant anymore. You know, your line of –
0: Shout out to David, David Chang. Chang.
1: You can't go. You can't go to work anymore. You can't have a job anymore. Every shout out to work. Everything was slaughtered, um, and the record feels like that. It feels like the end of a superhero movie where it's on scorched earth and everything seems really bad, and then the villain comes back and drags you back down to hell. But on the other hand, it feels very cathartic. I think maybe if they put a companion record out to this called Cathartic, that would be really funny.
0: The way I took the title, um, and I guess this is like my general takeaway, day one, and the song Carnage itself, he keeps repeating, I don't, I didn't look up the exact lyrics, but something about like love hitting like a train. Yeah. Um. And then in Balcony Man, there's like that refrain that's like, it's something like, all I know is I love you, and the morning is beautiful, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, this is what I took away from it because it's just an idea that I think about a lot and that I really like the love hitting like a train. I think a lot about how, like, real love is kind of violent, like, and, and is kind of aggressive, like, when people tell people like me and you that we're not patriotic because we criticize America to me, if you really love something, you do criticize it. Mm -hmm. Like that's the point of love. Like love is, uh, you love something enough to want it to be better and to like care about it, Mm -hmm. you know, like to me, there is an element element of violence and, uh, going against the grain involved in love. Like yesterday we were kind of, I don't know about arguing, but we were discussing like uh, vegetarianism and I don't want to say got heated, but I feel like we were both like passionate, but it's because we love each other. And like, you know, you really cared about the issue and you cared about me. Like that's what love is. It's not always like clean cut. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I took well, from but- the title carnage, like to heal from this time it's going to take a lot of love, but that love, like, is going to hurt, like, maybe just as much as, like, this period that got us here. Yeah.
1: Well, there's a really good line in um, Shattered Ground that I think really puts together what you said, which is, every Everywhere you are, I am, and everywhere you are, I will hold your hand again. Only you are beautiful, only you are true. I don't care what they are singing they can scream their fucking faces at blue again. I will be all alone when you were gone. I'll all alone when you were gone and I will not make a single sound. And it's like there's all these things we get worked up about and then it's just quiet. And then we wonder why we got so worked up about it in the first place. And then we get worked up about it again. It's a very cyclic yeah. feeling. The the That's a great song. Shatterground is one. That one kind of snuck up on me. The first time I heard it, I was like, "Ah, this just sounds like a Ghosteen B-side, but it's much better than a couple of the songs on Ghosteen, I'd say."
0: The uh lyric that I really didn't like that's in Balcony Man, which is a song I love. I love that song. That last line where uh What's the the last line? like? what doesn't kill you, makes, doesn't you, kill you makes you
1: crazier. I wrote that down, actually. I I, uh, I liked that, that
0: line. That makes me think of, like, Jared Leto Joker, like, Hot Topic t-shirt. I didn't like it at all.
1: I think it's the perfect way to end that record. But it's day one. I think it's the perfect way to end that record. It's It's Nick. I mean, this is, like, this whole song was, like, classic Nick Cave. Like, the... I put on my tap dancing shoes. Oh, my lap dancing shoes in the morning sun. I'm the balcony man. I'm Fred Astaire. I'm a 200-pound bag of blood and bone leaking on your favorite chair. And the morning is so amazing and so so are you. It's
0: awesome. And then he starts having What does he say? There's like a part where he's like, I'm a 200-pound octopus. I'm a
1: 200-pound octopus under a sheet dancing around your world with my hands and feet. And...
0: That's great. That's like classic Nicky. That's
1: about being stuck on your balcony with only your thoughts and you just come up with the craziest, wild shit. And that's why that line by any other artist would be so awful. it just make you cringe. But you are languid and lovely and lazy and what doesn't kill you makes you crazier. It's like looking across the room at the person that you love and you've been stuck at home with them for a year or even outside of COVID context because in 25 years people won't be... Hopefully, people won't be living with the pandemic anymore. Um, I think that we'll still be dealing with repercussions of the pandemic in 25 years, kind of like we're still living with the repercussions of the Bush administration. But I think this is my favorite song on the album. It's really funny. It's really emotional. It's really...
0: This song feels yeah. like Grinderman to me. The like style, the lyrics. And like if what comes next is Grinder Man 3, I feel like this was like a little hint.
1: Well, he t- tends to have a penchant for the, like a char- like blank man. Like he has a he has a couple of songs where you know mm-hmm. um, what's what's it Mickey Mouse, and the and the goodbye, and the goodbye man. man. There's like he 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 creates these really cool like mixtures of words for characters like that. And balcony man just,
0: I know he's done it other times. Balcony but man I'm, just I'm drawn really just
1: the name immediately just caught my eye. Um, I I love. Uh, the art of like naming songs. Um, you know, usually I would I, like in, when I would make me when I was making music more frequently, I would just name the song after like something I'd heard in a Simpsons episode or something that I'd heard in like an episode mm-hmm. of Sopranos or something, or just something some weird thought I put in it together in my head. But it seems like that this song also made me think about, um, Michael Jackson, because of the whole him like dangling the child over the balcony, yeah, <laughs> with the baby. Um, I remember that. Shout out dangling babies over balconies. Um,
0: so, so that that's your favorite yeah, song.
1: Yeah, uh, old time is my second favorite. It was my first, and then I switched them. I think that I I stand by that decision. Balcony man is. Such an invite into the world of Nick Cave. I think this record was really made to like try to garner new listeners, um, because it feels accessible. I think anybody could put this on, um, in the same way that I think anybody can put on like Boatman's Call and um, push the sky, push the sky away and get into it. I think those those albums are incredibly accessible.
0: For sure the the songwriting is way more like classic Nick Cave, like a lot of choruses, a lot of catchiness, but the production. Is like the new era, so it's a really cool mix. My favorite song is probably great Hand John. of God. I like that like radiohead nine inch nails, like kind of feel the like bass yeah. drum on the quarter notes. But then just, he like, doesn't nonstop. he does
1: the same slow the, vocal
0: style. It's so great. It shouldn't have worked as well as it it's did. It's really weird. And then the just like nonstop.
1: Hand of God, it's of just Warren Ellis. Of God,
0: it's really, it's really scary. If and it feels like a Final Fantasy yeah. like boss battle <laughs> song. <laughs> yeah. But then, but then, like when it goes to the choir, like the children choir start doing it, yeah. it gets even scarier, and it feels like you're in like mm-hmm. some weird cult, and a bunch of people in robes are standing over you, and they're just going, End yeah. of God, and of God," and there's like they're about to cut you with a bunch yeah. of knives or something. It's really. Scary. I'd love to see.
1: Do you know him. who Ray Wise is? He plays no. um, Leland Palmer in Twin Peaks. He's Laura Palmer's father. Uh, he's really oh, okay, yeah. funny, and he's really a, like a fantastic actor. And he was in, um, he was in the new season. The he was in the third season of Fargo, which he was really good in, and he was in some Tim and Eric stuff. And he was a, he played the shrimp Priest in Tim and Eric Billion Dollar Movie. And for those who haven't seen that movie, it's been out for 10 years, so I'm going to spoil it. But there's this thing called Shrim that gets um, marketed in the mall that Tim and Eric buy in the movie. And it's this religion where you – it's really fucked up, but basically it's a religion that's built around getting shit on by children. (laughs) I have no idea how that movie got put into theaters. Yes. Like literally? like. It's 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 just I remember (laughs) the first time I saw it, I was really disturbed. Like I didn't understand Tim and Eric that much at that point. I only really liked Steve Brule and Steve Brule was kinda disturbing to me, even I I still really loved him then. But anyway, if they I would love to see them
0: This is the song that would get played while Absolutely. This
1: is this and this would be an excellent video for Ray Wise to be in because he has such a demonic like look and features. Like he just he has like the combed back, you know, hair. And he's got very bright, like, kind of hypnotic eyes. It just made me think. And, and, you know, the other thing I wanted to add is that how do you feel about Hans Moleman being the Simpsons equivalent of Warren Ellis, but he's now in a band with Nick Cave?
0: Mm. Hand of God. See, I see Warren Ellis is, like, so, like, outgoing and confident.
1: He might be more like like Bleeding Gums Murphy.
0: Just kind of, like. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know if he's like that in real life, but like Warren Ellis just seems like so cool to me. Hans Molman is more. Who's the Hans Molman of music? Probably Billy Corgan. Patrick's somebody like hates himself. Billy Corgan is a good. No, it hasn't. We gotta like ask Mike this question later. He'll love it. Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan like thinks he's the best thing that ever happened. I feel like whoever's Hans Molman has to like kind of have some. Supplement. Yeah,
1: yeah. Billy Corgan's probably the mayor. mayor quimby Uh,
0: mayor uh mayor quimby (laughs) just like totally in his own little world has no
1: idea um but yeah i don't want to get i didn't mean to get too off topic i i love thinking about that though um warren ellis would make a really good reoccurring like version of himself in like any show where he's like um it's like that He'd be great in, like, a like a Family Guy episode where he just shows up and says something random and, like, runs away. Even if you have no context of him. He's just such <laughs> a funny-looking guy.
0: Yeah, just, like, a character. He, he,
1: he, and, and what's uh, cool about him is he's so mutable. Like, he, he could just show up at a show in Louisville, you know, back when shows could happen and just, like, stand in the back. And he'd just look like the same guy who bartends at Seidenfadens. And you'd have no idea. But yeah.
0: then he, like, goes up on stage. Or that guy that was in... Yeah, bands in the 80s yeah yeah
1: yeah. so anyway um got a little off track there but it's fun talking about that stuff
0: uh jake i think we hit we hit everything i had written down to talk about which wasn't a lot do you have anything anything else um
1: let's bring it home with uh bringing it back to the first song we talked about why do you think they called the song white elephant because that's traditionally like um a christmas game
0: Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, I didn't think too hard about it, but I was wondering if that had anything to do about it. I hadn't got as far as, like, dissecting that. The whole
1: idea of White Elephant is that... I
0: thought it was white...
1: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I know what you're going to say.
0: Well, I thought it was white... The beginning of the song is talking about a hunter. Uh Uh-huh. And, um... If you're hunting elephants... You're not hunting to survive. You're only hunting for sport. You're hunting just for the thrill of killing something else. Yeah. And the song is so much about like the current protest movement. I think he was like equating an elephant hunter to the police. Like you're not, you're just, it's just violence for the sake of fun. Yeah. There's no motive.
1: What's the, but then there's the whole Republican aspect because maybe it's hinting at hunting Republicans elephant.
0: Oh, white elephant. Yeah. Oh, white supremacy. Elephants are Republicans. White supremacy. That's the white mm-hmm. elephants. Republicans. Yeah, I never would have got that unless you said that. This right episode
1: now. of Jubilee Street is so brought to you story. by the Republican Party. Um, <laughs> thank you, the GOP. We have we have no ill will to wish upon the GOP. Do not hunt Republicans, um, except for Ted Cruz. He's okay. Damn
0: that that makes. That makes White Elephant such a badass title. I didn't even think of that.
1: Well, that's why we're here um, to talk about the big, pressing Nick Cave questions here at Jubilee Street Podcast. Now, my last question is, why start the record with Hand of God and end the record with Balcony Man?
0: I think start the record with Hand of God because it's so different than what he's done re- like in the past handful of years because mm-hmm. it's scary and like it's got that bass drum beat it like has a pulse to it it's not it's has ambient instruments but it's not an ambient song it sounds a lot like okay computer era radiohead where it's still pretty Mm -hmm. catchy even though there's weird elements i don't know why i guess end it with balcony man because that probably sums up covid for him it's just like a year of like sitting on his balcony probably just like the encapsulation of everything just watching the world
1: I sort of took it as they were creating like a, a audio version of a movie so the mm-hmm. beginning usually there's like an act of God that happens in a movie that either is the plot point or the climax uh, and so I think we start at the climax with that record and then I don't know if you notice this but the energy falls after that song and then you get to White Elephant, which is yeah. like, also very anticlimactic. And then after that, you get Albuquerque, which is sadness about being unable to travel and tour. Lavender Fields, which is sort of a hopeful song about healing. And, um, you know, Lavender is a very specific choice for him to make. Shattered Ground, which is, you know, sort of... You can look at that as something's been shattered and broken, but then usually when you dig into the ground to like plant a new seed you the the ground looks all cracked and you have to sort of shovel more to get through to what's fresh and you know birthed underneath and then balcony man there's a really good scene in the sopranos where uh tony is in um florida doing like a a business deal and he has a nightmare and then he comes out to the balcony and he's surrounded at this resort hotel in Florida. And then you hear all the noises of people at the pool and the water and like glasses clinking and how like, there's a very like unique sense of like aloneness in that scene. And then balcony man feels very like sort of restful Mm. and contemplative and quiet and kind of like, yeah, so i just wanted to ask you about that um should we rate the album
0: well, let me let me ask you this in that scene in that scene of the sopranos where tony's in florida mm-hmm. is he possibly like wearing a button-up shirt and like the top couple of buttons aren't buttoned <laughs> all the way and his belly's like almost hanging out of the shirt
1: i think he's wearing like a wife beater a shirt i know wife beater is kind of an outdated uh. term yeah he, he's he's more than likely wearing a button up shirt with picture, his belly poking out though. With a with a like a, an A shirt underneath. That's how I always
0: picture Tony Supreme. Oh yeah,
1: that's pretty good. I mean if he's not wearing that I, he's
0: wearing a sweatsuit. Oh yeah. Like a like a mob like a mob dude would. oh I do not I w I don't I don't really want to rate the album because I feel like I need to sit with it more. I will say like like most of this recent stuff, I think this will probably rank pretty fucking high. Like Yep. I was so excited upon first listen.
1: It's pretty awesome. I like it more than I like Ghostine. Um, it's... Oh, I did want to ask you, why did this you... This is definitely an easier listen. Why did you say that Hand of God is the most Jake Curtis song you've heard on the record?
0: Well, because that... Um, is it for all the reasons that I would probably argue? Because the bass drum... Yeah, that, that like constant bass drum... You know, I feel like it's something you do a lot in your production, just that like driving, you know, pulse. Doom, 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 doom. Oh, yeah. And then the synth, the synth tones, I feel like were the kind of things you would like to use. And then the chanting hand of God felt like so much like swans to me, even though the song as a whole doesn't sound like swans. Oh. It just had that like chanty or almost like lungfish kind of vibe that's great like this is everything jake likes that's
1: a great uh connection i didn't i didn't think of swans i haven't listened to them in so fucking long um yeah no i'm okay to not rate the record do that
0: like creepy chant kind of thing a lot
1: yeah they they did that on um the seer in 2012 which i really liked i really liked that record and then to be kind is a good record too i feel weird praising swans but i'm just because Michael Gira never really got it seemed like he never really got totally called out for like raping that woman. I don't know but I don't even know if he really did. They're just they uh, were Oh, we
0: don't I don't even have anything I don't even really like him that much. I just think they uh have really cool ideas. I don't love their songwriting.
1: I, I remember being so bummed because when that news broke I had bought like fifty dollars worth of I'd bought two tickets so they were like almost I think it was like sixty bucks with tax to go see Swans at headliners, and after that news came out, we watched them for like twenty minutes, and I was like, "Ah, I can't do this," and I, we just left. It was honestly, it it's was so honestly kind of boring live. I hate to say that. I think they would have been better in a bigger, like it would have been cool to see them at the Palace,
0: or they had like a projection behind them, yeah, like something. It should have been had like a fucking
1: ambience. Godspeed You Black Emperor show. Like, put some footage of like, you know. Mm-hmm. Nixon and you know then intercut it with like people getting gunned down or something I don't know um, I think that the rollout for Carnage though to get back to the topic of the, of the episode is going to be great I think this, this is only the beginning of what's to come I think we're going to get some really cool stuff I think we're blessed to be living in this time period as younger fans for Nick of Nick Cave because He is an experimental creator. I think Warren Ellis and him meeting back in the 2000s was such a great move for them because they're going to do some really neat stuff this year. I think we might even get another record because this one just felt to me like it has another piece missing.
0: Did you see that Warren Ellis put out a song yesterday or maybe Tuesday? Mm -mm. I did not. I haven't checked it out, but I saw that it was a 40-minute instrumental song. I wonder if it was just the instrumentals to this record and it was just like a, you know, a little like cool rollout tactic. I'm not sure. I haven't checked it out, but I know it's a 40 minute instrument. That's an
1: interesting uh, thought. I hadn't thought about that. I I just saw that he put a new soundtrack out, but um, I didn't see that he put a song out. I have to look into that. Um, Oh, is it this?
0: But yeah, that, uh, I'm sure we will be talking more about Carnage in the weeks to come, months to come, all that. Thank every, Thanks to everyone for listening. Um, if you have any thoughts about the album you want to share or you noticed any little cool references or anything we didn't catch, I'm sure there's tons of stuff, uh, feel free to email us at jubileestreetpod at gmail.com. And I think that's about it.